to the Waking Up From Work podcast. My name is Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Hey, and welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. This is episode 15. Thank you guys for being here. This is where we get to work, making work a passion um, and all that other jazz that we're up to. So today in this episode, I'm actually flying solo because this guest was real hard to book. His schedule and mine just weren't lining up. So I had to be super liquid and just book a date. And Ryan just happened to not be able to do it. So just me and our guest Pete today. And this is actually the first time that we did a podcast through Zoom, which is crazy because like the first 14 of my episodes, like basically everyone was in person, which isn't super traditional, but it's been fun. I'm definitely going to do more Zoom now. So this method, basically I do the podcast on Zoom and then I've been doing Instagram live so that that way you guys can get kind of a sneak peek. So basically what happens is we have it obviously right here where you're listening. We have it live before it's even aired. If you want to catch a sneak peek with us through our Instagram at Dave Wake Up. And it goes on afterwards up to YouTube with some video so that you guys can check it out there. I'm trying to be anywhere that you want me to be at because I know that you guys are busy folks and you're hustling and it it makes sense to just get it in in a bunch of different ways that you can consume it. So I'm hoping that this is uh, helping you guys check it out easier. Let me know what you think about it. Unfortunately, in this episode, because it was my first run at that, there's definitely some noise that you get in the first half from Instagram Live feeding back in Pete's mic. And he was just in such a perfect rhythm on what he was talking about. I didn't want to mess him up and shut him down. So I didn't say anything about it for quite some time into it. But then we snipe it in the back half. And I promise I won't let that happen to you folks again. Uh, you're, you're good people. I don't want to be, be annoying to you that way. So um, won't happen again. It might. But uh, in this, we talk about a lot of things that for me, at least, were kind of mysterious and I'm, I'm starting to learn about them. And so there's some cool concepts in there, like getting a business coach. And so I've been doing uh, SCORE, which is like a nonprofit in New Hampshire where they coach you on businesses for free, which is awesome. Go check that out. I'll put it in the show notes. But he has hired like multiple coaches and finding out also his, his friend, Jesse Harless, who is on episode three, um, also kind of got him in that route. So we talked about business coaches. We talked about mastermind groups, which is something that I've heard on podcasts about business, but I've never been in one at all. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, and then we talked about diversifying. So, you know, having multiple streams of income is really good because obviously the economy crashes or market hits or you just never know how things are going to flow, even with the foresight that you get in the news and everything. So diversifying out. And one thing that Pete does is he diversified out with real estate. And so for those of you that know me, I just got back from Tennessee like a week ago, and I just got in contract on my first real estate uh, income property. It's going to be a rental property. And I can talk about kind of why I chose that location and all that jazz later. But Meg and I are really excited to kind of start getting into investing, uh, which is something so foreign to me before because I was never doing amazing with money in the past. And I'm, I'm just starting to learn more now and, and get into things better now. So there's a lot 
uh, in this episode, you're totally going to have to unpack it because Pete is a wealth of information and he talks about a lot of things in depth. So you might want to hit this episode a couple more times, but so happy to have you here. Let's get into this thing. Sweet. So welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. This is Dave Swillam. Tonight, I'm actually going to be flying solo. Uh, so no Ryan uh, getting to meet you, Pete. You'll have to meet him another time. He's my co-host. Um, we we kind of had a roll with the punches to get this booked because you're a busy man, and I am too. And uh, tonight is also surprisingly the first time that I've ever, out of any of my episodes, ever gone remote, which makes zero sense for a podcast. Like everyone does it through Zoom. So I had kind of like my uh, my wheels, my like learning wheels on tonight. So thanks for uh, thanks for cutting me into the to the real world here, yeah. the Zoom world. <laughs> Happy to have you, man. Thanks for hanging out tonight, taking a piece of your night to hang out and uh, and talk with us. Well, I appreciate it, man. I'm glad I'm glad to be here. Glad to be on. I'm I'm honored, and and uh, I appreciate you asking me to to come on and add some value to your to your, to your uh, audience. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, for those of you that don't know Pete. Um, I actually personally met you from uh, Jesse Harless on episode three, and I don't know. We've kind of like we've kind of jived and been connected since that point, like a bit. Like I saw you at Nick's show, like I went to his EP release show that time, and I saw you there, and we chatted. But we kind of got reconnected recently because I was picking your brain on real estate, and uh, dude, I guess like I was impressed with some of the stuff that you were working on, like when I first met you, but now like I recap with you maybe a year later and then like, you're already like just dug in, dug in deep more than, uh, than I had met you last. So there's been a lot that's been happening. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. And you actually, um, I think it was like the day before you were leaving for your honeymoon, you really went the extra mile to help me out with, with a situation with my phone. I don't know if you remember this, like stayed late. Oh maybe, yeah. Oh my God. I totally yeah. did do that. You stayed late. Like, I, yeah, it was, it was a you know, wonderful experience. And, um, you know, Jesse's always spoke very highly of you and then, you know, getting to know you and making some connections as well with, uh, you know, Nick Wright and George Peterson, who you've helped with, with yeah. some air projects. Um, there's definitely this uh, connectedness and this uh, synchronicity. So. Um, yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool to connect and cool to continue, continue. hundred percent, hundred percent forgot about that, dude. Yeah. That's so funny. Now I like hundred percent remember it. Yeah. I was like right about to go away. I talked to you about, you had just went with, uh, Jesse to Switzerland, like not long before that, I think. Right. I think, you know what? It, yeah. Maybe like a couple months we, we had, was Switzerland March? Yeah. It was, it was, it was a few months after that. So so yeah, that's crazy. So for those of you that don't know Pete, this is Pete Marston. I got it right. You got it. Pete Marston. I'm bad with last names. And just on like a broad basis, he is in long-term recovery. He is a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, a real estate investor and business investor and a speaker. And uh, it's just... um. He's got a lot going on, so you want to you want to kind of run people through that in uh, just like a more sure yeah yeah. So uh, the most important most important um, 
things out of, you know, all of those descriptions is I'm a husband and I'm a father. Those are the most important things to me. Um, I'm an entrepreneur and we're going to talk a lot about what that looks like and, and what my journey has been like. And, and, you know, I speak a lot at, at different, um, you know, on different platforms about recovery. So I share my story to help other people come out of a place that, um, you know, they might be coming out of a dark place. I might be able to help them kind of enhance their life a little bit um, by sharing my message of hope. And um, so, yeah, so my, my story basically is I got sober when I was 25 years old. I had, I had a crazy, you know, alcohol and, and, and uh, drug dependency on, on some pretty heavy stuff. Um, didn't think I was ever going to come out of it. And, you know, after uh, I tried to take my life at, at 25, the day before Mother's Day, and then I came up out of that, you know, uh, suicide attempt. I came back to consciousness. and. That morning, I went to treatment, and that was May 11, 2008. I've been sober a day at a time ever since. So, a uh, big part of my story. I'm very proud of that, and that was very much the um, catalyst for you know, do I want to continue kind of existing in this life, or do I want to thrive in my recovery and really um, set some big goals, take some big actions, and and live a life that I've always wanted to live. I just didn't know how to live. So, right. Right. You know, I, um, you know, so I, I got this unbelievable job, this job that um, I had no business getting at a very large company in New Hampshire. And so my business now is I own a live, it's live for heating and cooling. It's a uh, heating and cooling company. And we provide installation, maintenance and service solutions for residential homeowners in, in a nutshell. That's what we do. Okay. Um, so I had gotten this job at this massive um, HVAC company. I was six months sober, and I set I set I set goals. You know, when I got, first got sober, things that I wanted to do, and as part of that, like I started to achieve all these things. I what were some really, of those, not to break you at all, Pete. But what were some of those goals that you set at that point in time? Well. You know, since I got sober, I've always set goals. Every year, I've always set goals. And back then, I think the, some of the first goals that I set um, in recovery were like, I needed to get a car because I burnt my life to the ground. I had nothing. Like, I, I needed to get a car. I needed to get a job. I wanted to make a certain amount of money. And I would be very specific. And I would write down like how much I wanted to make. Back then, it might have been like I wanted to make $40,000 a year. Um, so, you know, simple goals, they were de- definitely like, um, definable, define measurable, measurable. Yeah. You know, the whole smart, the whole smart, um, goal setting, uh, acronym was something that I had used without even knowing what it was back then, but they were specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Like I would set a date to when I want to achieve these things by, Sure. Um, you know, and that one action there is something that I've never done my whole life just because I wasn't, you know, living a very productive way, you know? Right. Um, so I got this job and, you know, I, I, I had always been like this. I had always had like this entrepreneurial mind. Like I was definitely the guy in my neighborhood that was knocking on doors, asking if I could shovel driveways when it snowed, asking if I could rake yep. leaves, riding, riding lawnmower around to, to mow people's lawns building my old lemonade stand and, and putting it out on Main Street. Like, 
I was always doing that stuff. My parents always made me pay my own way. If I want a pair of rollerblades, I'm saving my money to buy them. You know? <laughs> Dude, so I haven't told the story on the podcast yet, but when I was in high school, I had to. I wanted an Xbox. I wanted an Xbox. Hold on, actually, I'm sorry. It would be way weirder if it was high school. It was middle school, and I wanted an Xbox. And my parents told me that if I like saved up my allowance and stuff like that would get me my Xbox, right? But I didn't want to wait for that. I wanted to expedite it. So I used to go and buy candy at BJ's wholesale. And then I would sell it to people on my school bus because that was the time where they would have some money left over from lunch maybe or so that change. And they were in a position where they're either hungry or like they couldn't get anything. They were waiting to get home and they would always, always buy candy at like 10 times the cost. So my margins were good. Dude, the demand was always there. And then like people literally knew me about it to a point where I actually got grabbed and I got taken into the uh, principal's office and they thought I was a drug dealer, dude. They were like, listen, we know what you're doing. Like people are talking about it. Like you need to stop right now or it's going to like, it's obviously going to catch up to you. And I'm like, I-, I thought I could sell candy. Like, I don't know what your thought, but <laughs> so I get it, man. Like a hustler's always a hustler, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're always thinking that way. Always thinking that way, you know? So I had that like growing up, like, like you had it. And, and, you know, when I got sober and then I'm getting a job at this company, like I lost that. You know, and I was an employee and I was a good employee. I worked hard. I, I, I definitely took ownership. Like I was, you know, upper management or owner of that company. Like I, I had a lot of pride. And, um, you know, I worked at that company for just over six years. And, and then I had an opportunity to go down to Boston to work at a, a larger company uh, with a different compensation package. And, and about six months into that stint of employment, one of my associates was talking about how when he was my age, he had a side business and he had a van and he had a, a name and, you know, he'd work all day and then he would go run calls at night and make money on the side doing that. And I'm sure. like, huh. And that, that kind of sparked it for me. So at about, you know, seven years in the industry is when I decided, Hey, my brother is a huge part of, of my story and, and you know my life but he's my business partner and he has a totally different set of skills in the hvac industry so we had a conversation and people would always ask us to do stuff for them and we would always just say no um and then we decided hey you know what? with our skill sets he can do this side of the business i can do this side of the business let's be really strategic and let's make a run at doing our own thing so what, what types of things were they asking where you had to say no at the time? People were just asking like, for service, basically? Yeah. Can you install a boiler for me? Can you install a water heater for me? Um, and moonlighting where I worked was not, it was frowned upon, you know, so. Right. Because that's um, the same industry, right? The same vertical? Same industry, same area. Right. right. So, um, Sticky. so we would say no, you know, and, then, and part of the two, why you say no is, you know, from our perspective is like liability. You know, um, you're working five days a week, 60 hours a week. You install a system on a Saturday and on a three months down the road on a Wednesday, cold snap, my heat's not working. You need to get out here immediately. It's like, right. Manage that. It's tough. Um, So when I went down to Boston, we decided to be very strategic and said, Hey, we're going to start something up. And, and, and that's what we did. 
And I'll tell you, like, I didn't, you know, when I was working that first job at that local company here in New Hampshire, and I was like, I didn't want to be a business owner. I was a good employee. I was good at, you know, trading my time for money. And um, I was a performer. You know, I was just a good, a good guy you want to, to have employed for you. I didn't want the headaches of being a business owner. And right. that way of thinking, um, you know, whatever, there's plenty of people that are, that are, you know, employees in this world and, and the world needs employees. Um, but I'm so glad that I, I was able to kind of smash out of that off of that one conversation where the guy said, when I was your age, this is what I did. And then like, it sparked. Yeah. 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 And so I'm kind of in a position where it's like, something clicked and I'm there and uh, I know it's everything's going to fall into place and happen. But like, once that happens, like you can't really change the mindset. Like I just can't think any, I literally can't think differently. And it, and it disrupts like now, like, um, like working daily. Now it's like, I just can't, I can't change that viewpoint ever again. It's just there now. Mm -hmm. So that's probably what happened. Like you just, you, you had a certain view then all of a sudden it clicks. You're thinking differently and you're like, I, like I used to be scared of like getting prepped to take this all the way. Right. But now it's like, I'm scared of not because like, I just can't think any other way than to do that. Sure. I don't know if that's how you felt. Yeah. I, 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 I get obsessed about things. So yeah, I, I, I get you on that. And then I also have this component of do I want to live my whole life and regret never doing it. Yep. You know, there was this whole other element to it. Like if I, how would I know if I was going to be successful, if I was going to fail, if I never actually swung the bat, you know? Yeah. So there was that piece to it as well. And so one of the things that I did early on was, you know, my, my best buddy, Jesse Harless, he, he had gotten a coach and he was getting, you know, having all these breakthroughs. He was working, you know, Verizon and you know, he's crushing it there, whatever. And, and I could see what was happening in his life. And then I'm like, you know, I need to get a coach. So I interviewed a few different coaches and I hired a coach to coach me, you know, three times a month for an hour. And that person, her name's Christy Geiger. She was like instrumental. She was so critical in the growth and the momentum of starting a, a business. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we ended up doing was we started this, um, we started this kind of slow climb and we became like weekend warriors. We were very strategic with, you know, um, making sure we had everything um, kind of set up. So we wanted to have our name, we wanted to have our insurance, we wanted to have our liability insurance, we wanted to have all the bases covered. And, um, and then, you know, hiring a coach, she was able to, um, very methodically, you know, we would have these conversations and she would ask me a bunch of different questions. And then she would make these recommendations of different ways to market, different systems I should implement. And I just started like, and she, I would take tons of notes and she would take notes too and send them to me. And I would just start to take action on all these things. So um, what, what went into finding a coach that worked for you? Like, where do you then find these people other than natural mentors that happen? Like what went into that? Um, so I call a company called the coach connection and that's what they do is they hook you up with a coach. So you talk to this guy, his name's Bill and he wants to find out who you are, what you want to do. He really wants to find out if you're coachable and if you're a good fit, if you're ready to have a coach. 
if right. you're ready to be held accountable. Um, and, you know, if you are, then he says, okay, well, I have, you know, this big, large pool of coaches that um, essentially work for him. And then he connects you with who he thinks is going to be the best fit for what you're trying to do. So I talked to three different coaches. They were all phenomenal. I chose Christy. Um, and then since then, you know, I've, I've gone to a number of different conferences and have joined different mastermind groups, um, you know, with different entrepreneurs from all over the globe. And I've hired um, coaches from those as well, like people that I've just met at some of these conferences. Right. Um, and one of them I've had for years. And he's, he's more of like a mindset coach. Okay. So he's, helped me with, he's helped me with a ton of different stuff, relationship stuff, overcoming fear, um, systems with my business. When I have to give a, a, a talk on stage, he's helped me help craft my, my speech. So coaches are extremely valuable. Masterminds too are, are very valuable. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. That's something you hear like all the time. I feel like you hear it in a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts and things like that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely something that even I should consider, but I guess it's something that uh, I don't know, like everything we'll get into like real estate later, but it's like, you have all these concepts like that or anything. And you almost think that it's like something it's like, Oh, that's someone, that's something that someone else does because they're at a, a certain level or something like that. And you don't, um, you don't just get into it, but it's, it's kind of something that makes sense. If, if successful people are doing something, then why wouldn't you implement it in yourself if you project your success on that level? Right? Maybe yes. Yeah. You know, I, I think coaches that have the ability, if they, you, know, you can hire coaches that, you can hire a financial coach that's living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, you've got to find the right person. You, know? you can find people that are life coaches that might, they might, not be should be a life coach you know what i mean Uh, but you can also find really good coaches and you know even mentors that have walked the path and can add a ton of value and take what might take you 10 years on your own and turn that into two years you know if you find the right person so just through accountability like getting you to um you know, keep thinking in different ways and challenging it. Basically, like someone someone that aligns with uh, the conversations that you want to have on it. Is that pretty? A lot of the things that they're contributing. Well, I think some I'll, people you can't share things with the same way. I imagine. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, so I'll share with you about the masterminds for just a quick second. So mastermind is. Um, you know, it's a group of people. They might be in completely different businesses. They might be all in the same industry. So my experience with masterminds, I've been a part of two of them. And there's weekly calls and you, you get to know these people very, very well. And the most recent mastermind that I was in, we would meet once a week, every Thursday. And we met for probably a year and a half consistently every Thursday. And each member might have missed maybe two or three meetings. I mean, it was not a, not a low attendance. I mean, everybody was, was on the call. So what we would do is we would go over our wins for the week and we would share what was good and, you know, what we could celebrate together. So that, that was awesome. And then we would share um, if we achieved our goals that we'd set the week prior, 
we would share our reward and how we reward ourselves for achieving those goals. If we, if you didn't achieve those goals, and these are all individual, if you didn't achieve those goals, you would share what your consequences were. So there was this concept of setting a consequence for when you didn't achieve your goal or goals and a reward for when you did achieve your goals. Interesting. Which is a very, it's a, it's depending on the consequence, um, what would be on both sides, like what, what would be some rewards or consequences from that? So consequence, like, so one of my consequences was, um, if, if I didn't hit, you know, a certain, uh, revenue goal for the week, I'd have to go jump in the Merrimack river in the middle of January. <laughs> Which you did with, uh, Jesse, Jesse once. Twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so some, I would always try to make my, my, um, my consequences a, a a healthy positive. So, like jumping in the river in the cold months is exhilarating. You will not feel more alive than when you yeah, jump yeah. in the river and it's twenty degrees outside. <laughs> There's a lot of health benefits too. So, um, but like another consequence would be like a two day juice cleanse, uh, seven days of cold showers, you know, something like that. You know, um, yeah. rewards would be a float session. I love to go floating at at. Uh, uh, NH float. There's another one locally here in Concord. Um, one hour massage. But I, you know, invested heavy in cryptocurrency. So I, you know, if I did really well on my goals for the week, I would buy a certain amount of cryptocurrency. So, but you know, these consequences were just keep me on track. And um, I'll show you real quick. Like I set goals, a lot of goals. So this is. This is my goal settings in my notebook that goes with me everywhere. So at the top, yeah, so that's one side. And this is the other side. This is all on a spreadsheet. So it's a lot to keep up with. It's actually pretty impossible to do. Um, so what I would do is I would break these down into process goals and then I would focus on certain ones each week. Some of them are like goals like, um, you know, juice cleanse once per month. So I'd have to do 12 of those. Um, but you can measure all this stuff by putting a number to it and then tracking it. And then you see how you did it throughout the year as you go. So all this stuff is like one of the tabs on my, on my desktop computer. But how I get to, how I've been able to do what I've been able to do with live free heating and cooling, the real estate stuff. I, I, I also invested in another business out the seacoast is by setting goals and holding myself accountable with that consequence reward system. And then a group, a peer group with a mastermind or even a coach and coaches do the same thing. It's just one-on-one, -on -one. you know, you say what you want to get done next week, you follow it up depending on, you know, if the coach is like, some coaches aren't hard asses. Some of them are just like, let you do your thing. You know, I need a little bit more accountability otherwise. Right. So I say that I, you know, I take a lot of action and get shit done, but um, I like more accountability. Okay. So. All right, dude. Well, I totally broke up and disrupted your, your story for live free. Well, we were talking about the coaches. So that was, you know, I, I hired, <laughs> I hired a coach. She was awesome. Um, I ended up discontinuing working with her after, I don't know if it was a year or a year and a half. And it was, it was a hard decision to make because I felt like she was very much a part of the company. She had helped in so many ways. Um, 
she helped with, you know, me finding a great designer and the branding of it, um, of the, the business. She helped with, um, you know, some of the website stuff. She helped with the CRM that we use, some of the recommendations she made. So she was like, you know, she really was like a part of, of the business during that, that first year. Right. Um, and then, you know, I going back to goal setting, like I set a date that I was going to leave my job and, um, you know, have enough work scheduled to keep at that time. It was just, you know, my brother and myself and we were going to keep ourselves busy and we needed to make, actually, I wasn't going to pay myself too. This is an important point. My brother and I had enough money to say that we weren't going to pay ourselves. And then I listened to a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it totally smashed my concept on not paying myself. Okay. And then we said, you know, we're going to pay ourselves X amount of dollars per week. And the reason why I wasn't going to pay myself is I still had that fear that, you know, we might not be successful. So let's make as much money as we can, just put it all into the business. Right. But, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki talks about making sure you pay yourself first, always. And then you add pressure for you to perform and grow your business and to get your customers and provide great service. Um, so that's Cause one you, Cause you basically, the, the reason why that happens you think is because like, I know for me, if I have, like I have employees now for what I do, but like if I have any employees or something, like if I paid myself, I'm going to feel, like I, I just basically, you just can't, you basically just can't not pay them. You can't not pay your other bills, I guess. Like I, I would probably feel more pressure if I paid myself than if I didn't, I think. Yeah. Cause I'll always sacrifice myself. I feel like I'll always be like, well, I'll figure it out. Is that why you think that that worked that way for you? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like if I didn't pay myself, it, it would have been fine. I just think paying myself and, and paying myself well, paying ourselves, we pay ourselves the same, just adds that level of shit. We got to make it happen. We have to make it happen because I'm paying myself no matter what. I'm going to get paid first, but I still have this responsibility to pay anybody that I hire, which we've hired a few people at this point. We've got three employees. And also, I have bills to pay. I got to pay my, my, you know, social media platforms that we advertise through. I have to pay my supply houses that we get our materials from. And those bills are big every month. I have to pay for our service vans. I have to pay the insurances. There's so much, but we pay ourselves first. And, you know, it keeps that fire burning for us. So I like that. But I wasn't going to. And then I read that book and I was like, shit, I got to pay myself first. <laughs> and now I know it would, have been out, it would have been out of integrity and out of fear to not pay myself. Right. So, so I still had that. I'm not going to pay myself just in case, you know, but so, yeah, I would recommend that book to anybody that's, you know, especially wants, wants to get into real estate, but there's great concepts in there for any, any type of, you know, entrepreneur. Um, Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's a, it's a good book, really good book. Yeah, it's definitely from the amount of people that talk to a staple. And I feel like I did things in reverse for things that I've been reading, where I've been reading on things that are like a little bit more, more too in context. Whereas that's like very broad topic. I feel like for this, um, I, it's, it's on my on my list for sure. 
Nice. So, so yeah, so, um, yeah, so going back to the goal setting, I set a goal. I was going to leave my job June 30th, 2017. I, you know, we put a lot of stuff in place to be able to, you know, leave our jobs. And sure. I'll tell you, like the day before, um, I was, you know, leaving my job, giving the keys back, giving my uniforms back, turning in the service van. Um, I was at a customer's house. I literally felt sick to my stomach. Like they were going to, I was going to pass out and the customer's going to come downstairs and find me on the floor. Like I, I just had <laughs> a level of anxiety and fear. And the yeah. next day, yeah. The next day I went, you know, That's back. Real. Huh? That's when it's real, right? You're like game time now. Game time now, the day before. And then I went to work the next day, handed in my keys. And I had gotten picked up, drove back up to New Hampshire because I was, you know, was down in uh, the Boston area. But I felt freedom, like real freedom. And my fear had just, for whatever reason, just kind of faded away. Um, but I during, felt, ju- during jump time, you're saying? Once I jumped out of the plane, it was, I felt comfortable. I really felt comfortable. I was jumping out of faith. I, you know, we had taken a lot of steps and, and, um, and done a lot of things really well. And, you know, now we're, you know, operating in the, you know, fast forward. Now we've been operating, you know, from June 30th, 2017. So this, this, uh, June 30th will be two years. We've been operating full time. And, and the first year we did, you know, just under, um, you know, half a million dollars. And then last year we produced over seven figures and this year we're tracking to, um, you know, we won't hit, you know, the $2 million mark, but we'll be just shy of it. So insane, man. Congratulations. Yeah. So it's, it's awesome. Thank you very much. And, and one of the things that we do is, you know, goal setting is, is extremely important for me, not just like as an individual, as a business owner too. So one of the things that my brother and I do is we get together once a quarter in the beginning of the quarter and we go over what is called a VTO vision traction organizer. And we go over what is the next 90 days going to look like? And we'll track out our goals and then we'll, you know, task them out, delegate them out to who's going to focus on them. And um, we'll update, you know, for the year as well, where we're, where we're going to be. And then at the end of the year, we'll review all four of them. And, and, you know, oftentimes, you know, if you set, you know, 12 goals for the end of the year. We are in the, you know, nine to 10 range where we're hitting them. So um, it's been good. I just, ha- I just have this belief in, in writing goals down, looking at them multiple times a day and staying on top of the tracking and measuring. It, it really increases the, your chances of, of hitting the goal. There's actual statistical data that proves this stuff. Um, I, and I don't know the numbers off you know, the top of my head, but I know that just to try to kind of reiterate what they are. I know that if the goal is just in your head, you have like a 37% chance of hitting it. Yeah. When you write it down, it goes up to closer to 50%. When you write it down and then create process steps to get there, it gets up into the sixties. When you write it down, create your process steps to hit that goal and then get accountability to it, then it's going to go up to like the eighties, you know, and accountability is, you know, whether it's a buddy you talk to once a week, doesn't matter. It's accountability. So, right. um, you know, there's all types of studies done on it. And I, I certainly believe in them. I've, I've had experience with, 
um, you know, with, with those achievements that would certainly prove that data correct, you know? Sure. I mean, I think like there's something even natural to that where like, I don't have the processes that you have. Like I don't have the concreteness that you have for the way that you goal set. I mean, it's something I'll check out because it sounds really helpful, but like even organically, like I think without knowing it, but now that you said that, you're like, hey, you talk to a friend every week or something. Like in episode, I think it's eight, I talked about someone that I vent to, but it's a friend of mine. But there's there's friends of mine that, uh, dude, I'm constantly letting them know. I'm like, hey, I, I went in for this and the offer fell through. So now I'm doing this. Or this is what I'm aiming for and I'm planning on doing this by then. Or like, so that I feel like without me doing that, there were parts of me that were organically being like, in my head, I guess, like saying like, hey, you need to do this because a, a event, because there would be times where I'd be like, hey, I lost. And I wanted to, I just wanted to share with someone else to be like, hey, I lost today on this. And, but then also to like give out to someone else too, other than just myself, like, but now I'm going to do this. So I think, um, I think having it in an organized way, but I, I think that that's definitely like, it's, it's something that you feel like value in any way like you're definitely like starting i'm starting to do that without having such an organized system anyway which is probably why you like honed in on it and you're like i'm going to lock down the way i do this because i'm seeing better results now that i do that yeah i mean so i go back 11 years to when i first got sober and i was setting goals what i would do is i would literally write them down on a piece of paper close that notebook and then i wouldn't even look at it for a whole year And then I would open it up and I'd look at it and be like, damn, I I got a couple of these, you know, I got a few of these, you know, and then things just kind of evolve over time for me. They did it. And I think every person um, is on their own, you know, individual journey that's personal to them. Um, So I know guys that that don't get set goals anywhere near the way I do it because it can be a little bit overwhelming. But I think that there is that natural progression as well. And you ever listen to any Zig Ziglar at all? No, but Ryan's all about them. He'd probably be, he'd be, he'd be all in it with you right now. Yeah. So Zig Ziglar, man. So he talks about, and this is one of the main reasons why I, I find there's so much value in writing down goals. And he gives this analogy of your goal being this like target, right? And target goes, say you're shooting archery and in order to shoot a bow and shoot an arrow, um, at something you need it to be in front of you and that's your target so the goals very much are your target that you write them down and Zig Ziglar says how do you hit something that you don't have in front of you so write your goals down and keep them in front of you that's your target if you're shooting the archery so so I mean he, he's you know much more eloquent than I am with his with his analogy but you get the you get the gist of it right um, so yeah um, so yeah, so um, so that's kind of where we are now with the live free and cooling business, and um, the real estate stuff is. Do you want to get into the real estate stuff a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So for listeners, like for context, um, like a conversation that I think I just like let you guys know where I'm at is I'm selling my house right now, and I'm I'm potentially investing in a um, my first uh, investment property which would be kind of like a house hack type of deal because we're trying to get lean 
And uh, I hit up Peter because Jesse, I think I was talking to Jesse about it. And then Jesse said, oh, dude, you have to talk to Peter. Like he's in deep in that right now. And he's going to love talking about that anyway. So like you got to hit him up. And uh, so Pete, Pete's been actually really giving me some, oh, I got my cat like clawing my leg. Pete's been getting me some great information um, and, and someone that I'm kind of quizzing on this. But uh, what I've seen from him basically is he's killing it in, uh, in live free. And then what, like, basically it seems like you hit this up because obviously you learned about it and you wanted to diversify, but what kind of led you into real estate? And then like, just for context for the listeners, like, where are you at and what are you doing in real estate now? Sure. Um, I've always been interested in real estate. I've always been interested in properties. I love houses. And so when I was 27, I had bought my first um, single family home. And I, yeah, I think I paid like 3,500 bucks out of pocket to get the house. I was first time home buyer. And what I did when I moved in was like, I didn't even have money to buy you know, furniture for the place. Like it was a bachelor pad, you know, <laughs> like I was sleeping on a, on a bed that was on top of a, a piece of plywood on a nice. car, you know, a uh, futon in the living room. So what I did was I rented it out to, it was a three bedroom. So I rented two of the rooms out um, to a couple of buddies of mine. And what we did is we just split everything three ways. I wasn't trying to, you know, make money off of them. I was just trying to reduce expenses. So I was house hacking right from the beginning. Okay. Um, and then uh, wasn't really on my radar too much to, you know, I had that property for like five years. And then I'm like, you know what? I really would like to get into some multifamilies. I'd like to buy some multifamilies. Sure. So um, I got married. My wife and I had been talking about real estate. We'd been listening to Bigger Pockets, or I'd been listening to Bigger Pockets and, and decided, hey, you know, I want to I want to try out being a landlord. And I've learned so much in the last couple of years about, you know, being a landlord in real estate and, and, you know, what are my non-negotiables and what my criteria is for when I'm looking at properties, when I'm analyzing deals, what I would like to, you know, to jump into for um, the way the numbers work. Sure. Um, but it starts with, it started with a conversation It started with a desire to want to learn about it. So, you know, I realized that, you know, I had this house for five years. I've been paying a third of the mortgage for the entire time. The market was going up like crazy. So I bought it coming out of the downturn, 2011. Okay. Um, I bought it at 192. And then, you know, um, I had in the mix of, so I owned it for seven years total. And when I was working in Boston, I actually was renting a place in Pelham. And I would stay there four or five nights a week. And my neighbors said, Hey, we're going to be doing a renovation at the house. Could you, would you rent us your house? Cause you're gone all the time. I'm like, yeah, I will. I'll rent it to you guys. So nice. I rented it to them. For Tenet, tenants by accident. Tenants by accident. I rent sick. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> great. I rented it to them for $200 a month, more than what my mortgage was. Um, they stayed there for six months. They never did the renovation across the street. And then they moved back home. And then I moved back in for a short period of time, got married. Bethany moved in with me for, I don't even know how long. It wasn't, it wasn't very long before we moved into a multi. And then I rented it for another year or two to three guys. And it was great. You know? Single family. 
single family. Single family, sure. And same thing there. I was renting it for a couple hundred bucks a month more than my mortgage. So I was making positive cash flow. And then we bought a duplex um, in the south end of Concord. And you know, we bought that, our expenses reduced again. And I'm like, geez, now I've got passive income from two different sources. I'm barely paying for the mortgages because my tenants are paying for them. The assets are appreciating, right? Um, and I'm like, man, I, I really like this stuff. I think I want to dive deep into real estate. Um, so another year went by and then we decided, hey, well, let's buy another one. So we just bought another one a few months ago uh, in September, and that's another two family. We did a full renovation on that one. Um, and what we did with that was we bought it at 215. We did a full renovation on it. We increased the value to like 252,000. Sure. We refinanced it. We were able to pull out a good amount of money. So we got because some- now the equity, because now it's worth this much that your initial down payment that you put in, you say, hey, I want that back is what's happening. Yeah, you have to have a loan to value of 75 to 25. So you have to have that 25 has to be your down payment, essentially. Okay. So if you owe 250 on, if your house is worth 250, right, the loan's going to be 200,000 roughly, right? Yep. That's 25%. We only owed 170 on it. So we could pull out the difference between 170 and 200. We could take that out, put it in our pocket. Okay. That's seed money to buy the next deal. And we're actively looking for the next deal right now. So there's a lot of things you can do. So we, not only do we have positive cash flow every month from that property, um, we, we basically live for free. We don't have to pay a mortgage because our tenants now are paying for all that stuff. We're making money every month. Right. So as this kind of grows and, 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 and builds, um, it just creates more passive income. So you know, where I'm at, why I love real estate is you can do real estate two hours a week while you build your business, you know, however many hours a week you want to work. If you want to work a hundred hours a week on your hustle and what you're passionate about, you can do that all day long and still put in two hours a week and just analyze deals and get, find your yes and your numbers. You know, you find a deal that makes sense. Uh, you want to buy it. The numbers are a hell yes. Make an offer on it. You know, it's real estate does not have to be a full-time job, but it is a great vehicle um, for passive income, for um, wealth, retirement, you know? So uh, I love real estate and love what it's doing for us and what it's going to do for, you know, my family for, you know, I would say generations. Yeah. Because I'm not stopping. It's, I, you know, I got the momentum. It's like a train. There's a lot of energy to get it going. But once it gets going, it's got tons of momentum. So <laughs> that's so cool, dude. Yeah. You no, know, it's just like everything, right? Like you were super fearful for the business, and then you do it. And then you're in it, dude. You're like all in. And it's the same thing with this. Like you, you bought that first one. And then I'm sure that, like, I'm sure, I, dude, I'm sure the same thing will happen for me. Like that I have a million things to learn, but if I do end up doing what I'm trying and I buy my first property, um, you know, I, I already think different about the way that I'm, I'm trying to approach, um, approach that basically. And what I want to do moving forward <clears throat> has changed quite a lot just from being 
just from learning a little bit and talking with you and, and reading up and, and listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff, man. I, I, uh, I geek out over, over real estate and, uh, you know, one of the guys, I just listened to this episode on bigger pockets. I've listened to it a bunch of times. Um, he says, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait, you know, because you're going, you're going to get that. You're going to have markets that go up and down the market cycles, you know? Um, but if you buy properly, and you have the right cash flow, you vet your tenants properly, uh, get good quality, solid people in there, you can ride the economic ups and downs, you know? Sure. Uh, you just don't, you know, be careful not to over leverage yourself with, with certain things, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, an ex- it's an exciting time. It's a very exciting time. So one of the things that we did was, we created LLCs for our real estate. Um, so we created a, a holdings company, a real estate holdings company. It's an LLC. It's called Moksha Investments. So and real, Moksha, huh? real quick, like what even like for, for some of our listeners, like what, cause I'm, I think I'm like right now I haven't made enough that I'm still like just normal 1099. But what even goes into when you're forming an LLC for something like that? What do you have to do to do that? Is it simply just going through the state site or you have other things in, in, in line that you need to do to make sure that things are accounted for properly? Um, it's as simple as going to the secretary of state's office, paying them like $105, going on the IRS.gov site, getting an EIN number and boom, you've, you've got an LLC. It's not easy. If you have a partnership, um, then you need lawyers to, you don't need to, I would strongly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, live free and cooling. We, my brother's my business partner. You know, it's not a 50 50 partnership. There's one person with, you know, more control. And that's just in case, you know, push comes to shove. We get into a situation, somebody's got to make a decision that's in the best interest of the company. Yeah. Um, that's all it is. If you do the same, so we have a partnership agreement in place that is all drawn up with lawyers. And some people would say like, oh, you know, I don't need a partnership agreement. I'm, I'm doing this with my brother. I would say that's more reason why you should have a partnership agreement. Absolutely. Because then emotion is going to be quicker to come into play than right. a traditional business decision. Sure. So, so with the real estate stuff, if it's just you, you can create your LLC, do it very quickly. Um, and then you need to create a, a, a business bank account that is in that LLC name so you can cash checks and deposits. That way you can't just get a check written to, you know, you know, 14 Jackson Street LLC and then try to deposit your bank account. It's got to go into the bank account with the EIN number to it. Okay. Um, but it's easier still, for taxes, easier for cash flow, easier for everything. Everything, man. Yeah. Okay. And it protects you. That's the idea behind the LLC is like, you know, somebody slips and falls at one of my properties and it's an LLC. They can't come after me and everything else that I've got going on, they can go after that asset and that asset only. Sure. So it, it, there's protection there. Um, you know, if I was going to stop at like one or two properties, I, I probably wouldn't do it. But, you know, my plan is to own lots and lots and lots of real estate. Yeah. So, so yeah, I want to protect each one of them. But they're all held underneath that umbrella of the um, motion investments. And then they're, all, they're in individual LLCs. Wait, so, okay. So you have one main LLC that's the 
Moksha Investments. Yeah. And then you're saying that each property is also an LLC? Yeah. And what's the purpose of doing that? Well, if I enter into a partnership with somebody, um, the way it was explained to me with my lawyer, if I enter into a partnership with somebody, I'm probably going to butcher this. Um, okay. And, and they were, and if I didn't create like an LLC for the property, they would have to be a partner in Moksha, which is basically what, when I do enter a partnership, and I only have one, um, would go into that LLC for the property address. Okay. Which would then go out, that would be like all of your assets basically, if they're in that. Uh, the way it works is it's a pass-through. It's not, it's, it stops at the LLC. I see what you're saying, but I'm not a lawyer. I just, you know, talk with them and they tell me what's what. And I say, yeah, that's fine. Sounds good. <laughs> I, you know, when it comes to the LLCs, I don't even set my own LLCs up. I just have the lawyers do it. Right. Okay. So it's a more of a time thing than anything. I've done it in the past. I just don't now. So, but yeah, so if, if Moksha Investments is, you know, in the 230, 232 LLC, which is an actual LLC that I have, if something happens with 230, 232 LLC, they can't just go through 230, 232 and go to Moksha and take what that has. It can only stop at that. The one property. Yeah, the one property. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That sounds interesting for taxes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like that sounds like a couple. Uh, right, you, get, you, get a, you get an account that has real estate, owns real estate, and knows real estate, and can kind of do it all up for you. Yeah. <laughs> and do it all within, you know, do it all the right way, and do it all ethically, and that that stuff's more important to me than than you know taking the risk to be exposed to you know penalties and not worth it not worth it yeah. not worth it not worth it yeah makes sense so okay so like on that note um because i literally haven't talked about real estate on this podcast at all so if people click with it at all do you have any recommendations for you know some of our listeners who have never thought of doing that before what are the basics of like what they should start looking for, thinking about to potentially go that route? First thing is got to get educated. You know, you got got to get educated. So find some resources like Bigger Pockets podcast is phenomenal. What I love about Bigger Pockets is there's so many different things you can do in real estate. You can do wholesaling, which for anyone that doesn't know what wholesaling is, is basically you don't need a real estate license. You can put an offer on a property and then you basically trade the paper on that property. You put the offer on the property, you find someone else that's looking for that type of property and they end up buying the property for you. You sell it for $10,000 more than you put the offer on it for. You just made $10,000. You're literally just trading the paper. So that's wholesaling in a nutshell. Um, there's commercial um, real estate. There's you know, buy and holds, which is what I'm, I'm all about. I want long-term plays. I want uh, properties I'm going to hold for 30 years, make cash flow. Um, they're they're going to appreciate. I'm going to build equity in them. Um, there's, you can Airbnb, do short-term rentals. There's a lot of different things you can do. So find, you can do flips. So find out like what speaks to you the most. Um, I've never been interested in flips and, and yesterday I took a drive up to Lincoln, New Hampshire to look at a property that I, I am interested in trying to 
to flip and I'm going to go do a walkthrough tomorrow on that. Okay. Um, but getting educated on bigger pockets because they talk about everything. They talk about all that stuff. I just, you know, very briefly touched on. Yeah. And they bring like experts on their podcasts. Um, so it's, it's, you will certainly get an education. You will learn like what the numbers mean, what you should be looking for, what, what are your non-negotiables going to be? What's the criteria you're going to want to look for? Um, and then, you know, I think reading is another great way to, um, you know, advance and, 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 uh, learn very quickly, whether it's you're, you know, reading physically or you're listening to audiobooks. So, um, I'm reading a book right now called the millionaire real estate investor. It's, it's outstanding written by Gary Keller. Um, and then I would say, start looking at the market. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Actually. Um, I met. I, I went up to Maine last week to visit a good friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a while and a buddy of mine that I've known for about 11 years. He's, he's in his forties. He went up with me and he's a guy I've always looked up to. And, but he's always, you know, traded his time for money in a W2 job. Um, he's always rented. And he said, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why I want to come up with you is I wanted to pick your brain on real estate, passive income. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Cause he's, he does, he's always had this like concept of, you know, money and spirituality can't mix. And he's very spiritual. He's very full of a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Um, so I think there's always been this battle of like, you know, do I want to have passive income? Do I want to have success and, and wealth? Will it go with my spiritual beliefs? And I think right. that it all does. It all can go together. It all for me, it all goes together. And um, so we were talking, and he's like, you know, I, I think I want to buy a house. I'm like, well, why don't you? He goes, I don't have the credit to support it. They won't give me a loan. I'm like, well, what's your credit score? He goes, uh, six fifty. I'm like, it's your lucky day. You that's good enough credit to to get to get pre-approved depending on what your financials look like. So, and then he gave me some other reasons why he couldn't do it. I'm like, have you ever actually made the phone call to a lender to find out yes or no, if you can or can't? And he's like, no, I've, yeah. I've, I've always been a bit too afraid. Okay. And I'm like, listen, this is what we're going to do. If you, if you're willing to, to do this, when we get back tomorrow, so we were on the drive up to Maine, I'm like, let's set some goals for the next seven days. So he's like, I'm willing to do it. So we went back to my office he wrote down a bunch of goals and they were to listen to a bigger pockets episode podcast that yeah. I sent him to finish reading rich dad, poor dad. Cause he started reading that to call a lender and find out what he was able to do. And I can't remember what the other ones were, but the long, long story short is he ended up getting pre-approved by a lender yesterday. Awesome. But, my point is he's been living in this story that he's told himself for how many years I can't get exempt good enough credit. Right. And then with a push with accountability, with some goals within seven days, he's on fire right now looking at multifamily properties, talking to me about cash flows and what to look for. He's at my office today. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting, I get fired up just watching people like get fired up about real estate, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, one of my whole things as just an individual is to, is to you know, um, be a giver and to contribute. And whether that is, you know, time, resources, knowledge, 
uh, financial, whatever it is, like there's nothing more than I like to than to have a conversation with somebody, see them get completely fired up, and then take some action on it and potentially change the rest of their life because they're going to start investing into something such as real estate. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I haven't even made that full move yet, but like I feel like I I feel like I saw something that was like real estate, like all these things that are happening, it happens all around you every single day. But I feel like not enough people that I've talked to, at least before this point, had really been doing it. So like, you don't think that it's something that's feasible, whereas like, it's really super accessible for so many people and can, and it really seems like it's going to, it, it seems like it can make such a big difference for people um, that it's like, why not do it? And it's, it seems like, um, you know, you look at uh, real estate or you look at um, so many other things that like people that are wealthy do and you're like, Oh, they do it because they're wealthy and you don't appreciate that. Maybe that, like watch what people do, not what they say. So like if people are investing in real estate and they are wealthy, maybe that's a contributing factor for why they are wealthy people. And, you know, they're, they're not usually an intelligent, unintelligent people that have wealth. So they're, they're usually doing things to put them in a strategic position. And so why not pay attention to something like that and see what's possible and what's not. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had thought about it differently earlier, but um, I, I'm glad that I kind of think differently now and I'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You'll be jumping in. Yeah. How, how, how old are you, Dave? I am 27. Yeah. You perfect the time to get started. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I bought my first one. I was 25. You know, I wish, I wish I had known what, what I know now back, back then. Cause I wouldn't have started with a single family. I would have dove right into Maltese. Same. Yeah. I bought my first house when I was, gosh, probably around the same time, man. Like I got, um, yeah, it's been like three or four years around the same time. Like I bought my first single family and like, we're actually in a pretty good position luckily because of the market. Yeah. We're probably going to run out of here with the equity that we need to hit up our, our first investment property. And then I think that I'm feeling good about being able to make moves in the future, not too far out from doing that. But um, that was by accident. Like it just happened. We just we didn't look at the area for like an economical standpoint or anything like that, or what's the market cycle look like or anything. We just bought this place and we didn't we fixed it up a little bit and um, luck luck put me in a better position to fight now. You know, yeah. but I would have I would have definitely bought first one house hack to uh, to live in, but. Everything happens, man. Everything's for a reason. Yeah, you're still. I was actually 27 when I bought my first house, not 25. So, um, but yeah, you're on, you're on the right path, man. I got tons of resources I can share when it comes to you know looking at at um, you know different things when you're looking at properties, you know, such as like different websites and and things you can look at. So things that are important to look at too. I would love that. And I would love that Excel spreadsheet that you were telling me about. Yeah. And uh, for the listeners out there, like I'll recap with Pete after anything that he is willing to share 
I will put in our show notes for episode 15 at the bottom and definitely like all the books and podcasts because he's got me hooked on that too. So I've been listening to Bigger Pockets as well and it's good stuff if you like this type of thing. But uh, I will put all these links um, in the in the show notes at wakingupfromwork.com for episode 15 with Pete. So you can check that stuff out later as well. So I always ask five questions, Pete, to like cap it out. One being... Um, like basically what, what initially made you feel like you need to pursue what you do in a serious way, aside from the way that you've always done essentially, uh, what made you go from thinking about it even to being like, I'm doing this now for real. I freedom and lifestyle. So being for me being a, a w2 employee and, and um i had a decent lifestyle i could travel i had I, I did well financially but i didn't essentially have the freedom that i like crave i need to have sure so that was i would say those are the the, the two biggest things is one freedom and then two lifestyle so you know nowadays like i'm focused on Live for heating and cooling. I'm focused on scaling my real estate portfolio, and, and and the reason for the real estate portfolio being scaled is to increase my passive income to be what I call a hundred percenter, which is a term that I learned through one of my masterminds, which is where my passive income exceeds my living expenses. So I'm a hundred percent financially free. Hundred percent. Every move that you make is just a choice that you've made at that point in time because you wanted to. None of it is dictated by cash or capital. I mean, obviously for investment purposes in terms of your businesses, but like when you wake up in the morning, every choice is yours because you're not dictated by the dollar, is what you're saying. Not dictated by the dollar. I don't have to, you know, be at a meeting at seven in the morning. I don't have to work until somebody tells me I can go home. You know. So complete freedom. Love it. So what is in this process? What's and everyone's super positive that I talk to, which I love and it can still be positive, but what's like the biggest mistake that you've made throughout all of this? And it, it doesn't have to be something that you look back on. You're like, that's awful. Cause I'm sure you learned something from it, but what's something that maybe you could share as something that you'd like, I would really not want to do that thing or I would wish for like some of the listeners, if they're following some of these same paths to not do that thing in the process of all of this. I, you know, for me, the, the there's two things. One, it might be cliche. I wish I started when I was younger. That's yep. the second. So good. I wish I had up leveled my circle of influence when I was younger as well, instead of waiting to hire coaches and get the masterminds and be around people that are doing it at a higher level. Right. So your network is your net. Your net worth is your network, and and you probably heard it said you are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. Absolutely. If you're spending time with really successful business owners that are operating in these, you know, um, high levels of you know income bracket and, and and serving a lot of people really well and and, and doing a lot of good, you're going to be the fifth guy. If you are hanging out with five guys that are at the bar every single night, partying it up, you're going to be yeah. the first guy doing that too. So, um, yeah. so I, I think those are probably my, my top two is start. I wish I started earlier. I wish I started when I was 25 and, and finally got on the right path, buying 
multifamilies right out of the gate. And the reason for the multifamily versus a single family is it's just more, it's just more insurance for you. You know, if you've got multiple doors under one roof, that's multiple streams of income paying you every month. Right. And so if, if one guy decides they can't pay you or I'm not going to pay you, you still get the other two coming in. But if you a single family and that guy says, or not even says, what if he loses his job, can't pay you for two months? Well, yeah. that means you got a goose egg for two months. Right. You know, so that's why I like multifamily over single family. And if you have an issue like a basement floods or something like that, multiple streams of income is going to equip, you know, equal more money versus one, you might get a hundred, 200 bucks a month passive. But if you have an issue that's, you know, 3,500 bucks, that just wiped you out for the whole year. Right. You just lost all that. So, so that's another thing I, I, you know, I would have started with multis earlier. I like it. Okay. Um, flip side to that, because we're super positive on this podcast, is what's the best idea that you've ever had? And it could even be in that same spot, but what's like the best idea through all this process that you've come up with? The best idea. Um, I know. <laughs> the best <laughs> idea is, is um, the best idea that I've had is to continue to evolve my you know, level of knowledge and information intake in order to become the person I need to be to, to run successful businesses. And, and then on top of that, leveraging. So leveraging other people to do stuff that I'm not good at, such as you know, um, answering phones for one. I hate being on the phone with uh, customers and doing that whole dance. So I leverage a, another system, another company that's not even on the same side of the country as we are. And they answer 100% of the phone calls. They do 100% of the schedule. So just leveraging. Um, you still there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so just leveraging different parts of, um, of uh, the business and focusing on the things that I'm good at. So. Cool. All right. So definitely going to put rich dad, poor dad in there. Are there any other books that you'd recommend the listeners on mindset, business, industry, passion, anything like that that you recommend? Rich Dad, Poor Dad is, is really good. Um, man. It can be just that book, man. If that's like, I know that that's a staple. Like everyone probably should read that who's listening to this podcast. I think, you know, one of my, including myself, one of my favorite books that is not a business related book. Yeah. Um, is called the, um, it's written by Deepak Chopra. I'm drawing a blank, man. George is all in on him. Dude. Yeah. You want to talk? You want to talk Deepak, you talk to George. The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. It is a phenomenal book, and it literally will impact every single area of your life. So that, this book has just been instrumental with thinking differently about things. Um, a, a great business book is called The E-Myth Revisited. I'm reading that right now. Yeah, so... I'm reading that right now. 
So particularly for me, it, it was great because they give the they give the actual um, like a real life experience of a business owner that what used to be an HVAC technician that turned to be a business owner and he wasn't a great business owner because he's used to being in the field. That's what he was really good at, you know? Um, so I really liked that book. And then, you know, I love anything Tony Robbins. Um, oh, a book I just read uh, about uh, finance is called What Would the Rockefellers Do? And this okay. book is like, this book will challenge, you know, lifelong concepts you have about finances and investing. So Sick. Uh, I'm not even going to go down the rabbit hole, but it is well worth the read for sure. Okay. Cool. So yeah, once again, I uh, actually like by the time this airs, I'll actually have a full book list that goes episode by episode on wakingupfromwork.com. You can check out resources and the book list will be there with every single guest's um, recommendation. So I will pop all those in there under Pete's. Um, and then I guess last man, just like if people want to stay up to date with where you're at, where do they follow you at? Like social websites, like where can people keep up with you if they want to see how you're doing? I would say just reach out to me directly, you know, PM me on Facebook, Peter Marston Jr. Um, I don't do a whole lot on social media at all, but you know, I, I am accessible. So I'm willing to, you know, chat with anybody anytime and, and try to be of service and, and add value in any way that I can. I get, you know, fired up and, and, find my fulfillment and my purpose and, and contribution and giving back and, and helping people, you know, navigate life and, and, and find out what, you know, fires them up and, and, and brings them purpose and fulfillment. So. Sure. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, um, dude, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, it's been a blast. This is episode 15. That was Mr. Peter Marston. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks, Dave. Hey, guys, uh, real quick, I just want to wrap this one up without being live with Pete here. So that was episode 15. You can check the show notes out at wakingupfromwork.com. Just check out the show notes tab. I do have that book list I was just talking about up and running. Go to wakingupfromwork.com slash book list. And you can check out some of the gear that Ryan and I are using for video and for podcasting at wakingupfromwork.com slash gear. Because I've had a couple of people start to ask me about things like that when they're starting to create their own content. And I just want you to know that I am here to help out. I think that everyone can win. There's no reason to not work together to achieve this shit. So um, another review in, this is Gage Glant. So actually he used to be my drummer for my hardcore band in high school. So he's a good dude. He said, it's about time we bring an end to putting our real dreams and goals on the back burner in order to grow up and get a real job. This podcast will help make that difficult decision and leap of faith along with how to make the dream more attainable. I really enjoyed the first episode, Dave, and I'm excited to listen to what else you and your future guests have to say. Keep up the hustle, man. So shout out to Gage really appreciate any reviews and ratings that you guys have for us, be it good or bad. We got a little bit stagnant recently. And it really, if, if, this, episode, if this episode or this podcast are, are helping you, you know, I'm, I'm trying to bounce out commercials. I'm trying to get stupid shit away from this and just help you out. The only thing that I ask of you 
is that you help me back is give me those ratings and reviews, good or bad, because that's what keeps movement in this podcast out there. And if it's helping you, I want it to help other people. That's really the only thing that I care about is learning myself and uh, giving value back to you. So that helps me out quite a bit. If you want to see us live before the episode comes out, at Dave Wake Up on Instagram is where that will be at. And obviously those resources at wakingupfromwork.com. Guys, I hope that you are having the best fucking day of your life. I hope that you have big goals for 2019. And I hope nothing but good things for what you're trying to accomplish out there. Just stay at it. Stay engaged. Don't back down from it and just find another way to get it to happen. Uh, much love. Peace. Get ready to hustle.